Hello, NetView community, and welcome to today's podcast. My name is Dr. Josh Garibaldi, and I am a clinical and scientific liaison at Otsuka. I will be moderating today's discussion. In alignment with National Donate Life Month, the NetView community wanted to explore the transplant journey, where we will walk through the pre- and post-transplant process, including candidate selection, access issues and barriers, concerns around medication adherence, regimen complexity, and medication errors, and potential solutions to tackle some of these problems. This is part two in our series, where we will specifically dive into the post-transplant journey. We are joined today by Dr. Dave Tabor. He is a clinical pharmacy specialist in transplantation at the VA in Charleston, South Carolina, and a professor in the Division of Transplant Surgery, College of Medicine at the Medical University of South Carolina. He has been working in the field of solid organ transplantation for over 20 years as a clinical pharmacist and researcher, focusing on medication safety and racial disparities in transplantation. He has NIH, AHRQ, and VA grant funding with over 150 publications and 250 abstract presentations related to his research. So Dr. Tabor, can you describe a patient's journey immediately after receiving their transplant? Certainly. So typically patients are in the hospital anywhere from three to five days after they undergo surgery for kidney transplantation, and then they're discharged locally. And when I say locally, I mean they need to stay within the 50-mile radius of the transplant center. So if they live locally, they can go home, or if not, they'll be discharged to a local hotel. Following this discharge, they follow up Uh, in the clinic, in the transplant clinic with labs at least twice a week and weekly visits for the first one to two months after transplant. As long as things are going well and they don't have any complications, their follow-up slowly decreases over time as their risks of infection and rejection go down. So after the first six months post-transplant, we typically only get labs monthly and we see them in clinic every two to three months. And then after the first year post-transplant, that's when they move into the long-term management phase of care. And most patients are followed with labs every one to two months and then seen in clinic either annually or biannually. And at that point, we refer them back to their local nephrologists and primary care doctors to undergo closer follow-up. Great. Thank you, Dr. Tabern. What are the expected outcomes after kidney transplantation? So kidney transplantation has profound effects on patient survival as compared to remaining on dialysis. So just as an example, the one-year patient survival for those undergoing kidney transplantation is 95%, while those on dialysis survival is 80%. At five years post-transplant, Kidney transplantation has 75% patient survival, so 25% will have succumb. While those on dialysis, the patient survival at five years is roughly 35%, so more than half patients will have succumb on dialysis. And then at 10 years post-transplant, kidney transplantation has 50% patient survival, while those undergoing dialysis have 12% survival, meaning 88% of patients will have succumb. A typical kidney transplant lasts between 10 to 15 years for a deceased donor and upwards of 15 to 20 years or even longer if they undergo a living donor, which is why we really emphasize using living donors and identifying living donors if possible. 
It's also important to state that the quality of life uh, for those that undergo kidney transplant is dramatically as improved as compared to remaining on dialysis. And then finally, studies have shown that both the length and quality of life is improved across all age groups, even those that are in their 60s and 70s, as compared to remaining on dialysis. And this is particularly the case in those that have diabetes as a cause of their end-stage renal disease. Di uh, patients with diabetes uh, that remain on dialysis have much shorter life expectancy as compared to those that undergo kidney transplantation. Great. And we know that access to medications is essential for a patient to have a positive experience with their transplant. Can you provide a brief historical perspective on transplant medication access? Sure. So historically, the immunosuppressants have been covered by Medicare Part B, as in boy, for the first 36 months after kidney transplant. And this has been in place for decades. And it's, uh, it's atypical as most medications are covered under Medicare Part D, as in David. But in this um, unique situation, the immunosuppressants are covered under Part B, which is the major medical arm of Medicare. Unfortunately, at currently at 36 months post-transplant, kidney transplant recipients lose their Medicare unless they are disabled for reasons other than ESRD or they're over 65 years of age. And with this loss of Medicare, Part B and Part A, as well as Part D, they lose their medication insurance. And this has led to a lot of patients losing access to medications due to financial barriers that leads to non-adherence and eventually, unfortunately, graft loss. However, recently, after 20 years of lobbying Congress by transplant organizations, the Amino Bill passed in 2021 and it was signed into law and it becomes active in 2023. What the Immuno Bill does is it extends uh, Medicare coverage for the immunosuppressants for the life of that graft. The, unfortunately, um, this does not include major medical for Medicare, so it's only medications. And the details of the bill are still being worked out. There will likely still be co-pays and or co-insurance, likely 20% or more for the immunosuppressants. So the, although the, this is a step in the right direction, it certainly is not a panacea and there will still be challenges in financial constraints for covering the immunosuppressants for patients with only Medicare insurance. Thank you. And you've done research in medication safety and transplantation. So how do issues such as medication regimen complexity and health literacy play a role in medication safety issues in kidney transplant recipients? So studies have demonstrated that the regimen complexity and con confusion about medications as well as health literacy are major factors associated with medication safety events, which include errors and misdoses and non-adherence. Our research shows that the average kidney transplant recipient is on 13 medications, and they are typically dosed two to three times per day such that the average kidney transplant patient is on more than 30 doses due each day. They're required to take them at strict times each day, and if non-adherence can potentially put the patient at higher risk of graft loss due to rejection. These doses are frequently changed due to titrations from intolerances, 
or infections or up titrated due to rejection. So this level of complexity with the regimen and frequent dose changes can often lead to medication safety events. Thank you, Dr. Tabor. And you mentioned medication errors, and you've published studies assessing medication errors and their impact on outcomes in kidney transplantation. How are medication errors associated with poor outcomes, and how can clinicians help reduce errors? So for, for the reasons I just mentioned, medication errors are very common in kidney transplant recipients. Research demonstrates that at least two-thirds of patients will experience one or more medication errors during the first year after transplant. And typically, these errors are related to patients getting confused about their regimens or misunderstanding instructions that are provided by clinicians due to dose changes or modifications to their regimens. Errors are common, as I mentioned, and they can lead to significant issues. Our research demonstrates they increase the risk of uh, hospitalizations. They increase drug level variability, which is a known risk factor for acute rejection. And these acute rejections can, in some cases, even lead to graft loss. So some of the solutions that have been used and are promising include reducing medication regimen complexity. As I mentioned, this is a major driver of errors. So what we've done is uh, reduce the complexity of these regimens, as well as improve the tracking and communication with patients through the use of things such as remote patient monitoring, telehealth, and mobile health technologies that are coupled with provider review and re-engagement with patients to try and address uh, these complexity issues. Finally, I think it's important that we recognize transplant pharmacists as leaders and potential solutions in this area and empower them to lead these endeavors to improve medication safety. And there are studies that have demonstrated that empowering transplant pharmacists within this role can improve medication safety and clinical outcomes as well. Thank you, Dr. Tabor. And another medication safety issue you mentioned is non-adherence. Can you provide more details regarding medication non-adherence and its impact on long-term outcomes? How might clinicians address medication non-adherence in kidney transplant patients? So there's actually a large body of literature in this area within kidney transplantation. And studies have demonstrated that nearly uh, one-third of all late graft losses are directly attributed to medication non-adherence, late being, uh, being defined as uh, after the first year of transplant. And when patients are interviewed, the most common reasons for medication non-adherence are loss of access to medications due to financial constraints, as I previously mentioned, uh, forgetfulness, and inadvertent issues that lead to not taking the, the regimen as strictly defined. So solutions to address medication non-adherence non are, are urgently needed, and there's a, a growing body of literature in this area that lead to some promising outcomes. So one area is to continually engage or re-engage with patients in helping them access medications, as well as keep track of their complex regimens. The use of technology, including mobile health and telehealth, as I mentioned, are also promising uh, and potential solutions to address this issue. 
And we actually use uh, technology here at MUSC to conduct population surveillance to identify patients that may be at higher risk for non-adherence due to high variability in their drug levels or late refills or expiring meds. And this certainly is a promising proactive solution to potentially head off non-adherence before it actually impacts uh, the patient with uh, acute rejection or graft loss. All right. Well, thank you, Nephew Community, for joining us today as we explored the post-transplant journey. And thank you, Dr. Dave Tabor. Please check out nephew.org for future webinars, podcasts, and events, or follow us on our social media platforms. Our handle is at Nephew Community. Thanks again, and we look forward to seeing you here at Nephew next time. Enjoy the rest of your day.